Hello, this is Rabbi Rob Doberson, and welcome to this edition of Wrestling and Dreaming. And in this edition of the podcast, I'd like to reflect on an issue that all of us, I'm sure, wrestle with quite a bit. Even if we feel we've arrived at a decision of how we feel about it, I'm sure that we always have second thoughts, things that creep back into our mind, events that take place that cause us to reevaluate our position. And that is the issue of capital punishment. And of course, I am doing this now as a way of also reflecting on the sentence that was given to the man who committed the horrible hate crime, terrorism, violence, terribly unspeakable tragedy that took place at the Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh five years ago with his being sentenced to the death penalty. And I want to share with you some thoughts. And I want to begin by talking about what Jewish tradition, Jewish law, had taught about the issue of capital punishment. Fully aware of the fact that this doesn't have to be our response today, and I'm not presuming that it should be. But at least I can say for myself, it's been very important in helping me as I've been thinking about this issue over the years. We have to start by the fact that the Torah does in fact mandate capital punishment for certain crimes, particularly murder. The rabbis in the time of the Mishnah and later in the time of the Gemara absolutely accepted this idea that it was legitimate, in fact necessary, to enforce the capital punishment in certain cases. But what the rabbis did, and one could argue, as many have, that most of what I'm about to explain happened at a time was created, was developed at a time when rabbinic courts did not have the power to execute individuals. So it was more a conceptual discussion, a philosophical discussion, rather than a practical one. But one way or the other, the rabbinic tradition set into place certain safeguards, certain roadblocks, one might say, to execution, so that even though it was in principle not only permitted, but was an obligation for a court to, to sentence someone to capital punishment, that it didn't happen very often, in fact, rarely, if ever. Those, those roadblocks included some very interesting traditions that developed. One was the tradition of hatra'a, of warning. Witnesses who saw a person about to commit a capital crime had to tell the person what you are doing will leave you liable for execution. And the person needed to acknowledge the fact that they in fact heard that warning and did and performed the act anyway. The idea being that if a person knew that what they were doing was going to result in their execution, they might not do it. And therefore the warning was a way of saying to the person, this is what will be the result and hopefully would have prevented that person from performing that act without the warning, capital punishment could not be, in fact, in, enforced. Then there was what was known as Drishava Hakira, the, in, the investigation, the in-depth investigation of the witnesses to determine that without any shadow of a doubt, within any possibility of a doubt, they had seen what they said they saw. Now, in order to do that, the witnesses were taken separately 
and questions were asked of them and the answers were corroborated with each other. And if they weren't corroborated, the witnesses were in fact eliminated from giving testimony. If all of the answers were in fact corroborated, if the two witnesses agreed on all of these answers and the questions according to tradition were very detailed indeed, then at least according to the Mishnah, there was a lecture given by the judges to the potential witnesses saying you have to realize that what you are doing is of the utmost importance, that once we take a life of an individual, by definition, it's irrevocable. It can't be undone like a, a financial penalty can be undone where you pay back the, uh, an individual whose money has been taken uh, unjustly as a, as a punishment because once the person has been killed, of course, there is no recourse. And that led in that Mishnaic discussion to an entire lecture from the judges about the value of an individual life based upon the tradition that God created one human being to begin creation in order to prove that when one takes a single life, scripture considers it as if one had taken the life of the entire world, had killed an entire world. And if you save a life, scripture considers it as if you were saving an entire world. References were made to the, uh, to the generations to come that would come from an individual who had been unjustly executed, those, those future generations would not have had the opportunity to be born. There was also the reference to the fact that each individual is unique and irreplaceable in the world. The fantastic line in that Mishnah that says that every person should be able to say, the world was created for my sake, while allowing, of course, someone else to say the same thing everyone else to say the same thing, and therefore each individual is so unique and so precious. And so what the judges were doing was impressing upon the potential witnesses what their testimony would result in if, in fact, they uh, uh, testified against the person for this capital crime. So, of course, the question is at that point, why didn't the witnesses just say, we're out of here? We're not going to get involved. And in fact, the Mishnah says, and if you ask, why should we go through all this trouble? Or why should you as the witnesses go through all the trouble? Because the Torah demands it. The Torah says, if you see something that's evil, you have to, uh, you have, and you witness it, you have to talk about it. You have to report it. You have to stand by what you've seen. So what the rabbis were doing was they were saying, Yes, capital punishment is a reality, is a possibility, but we need to be so sure that we're going to set up all these safeguards to make sure a mistake is not made. And in fact, that led to the rabbinic tradition that one rabbi says in the Talmud, a, a court that finds a person uh, eligible for execution once in 70 years is a bloodthirsty court. So what are the rabbis doing? What they're saying is, yes, we have the right to do this. There is a reason to do it. But human beings are fallible and the system is fallible. And unless we can set up a system which is 100% infallible in this particular case, and we are absolutely 100% sure without any doubt, we'd rather not 
execute the individual because it is irrevocable. And this, of course, for me anyway, speaking personally, really is my attitude about capital punishment today in this country. I do think that we human beings have the right in a court of law, in a situation which is just, to enact capital punishment in certain cases. I would say reserved only for the most heinous of cases, but nonetheless, the right is there. But as much as I respect, and I do, our legal system, our judicial system in this country, it is not perfect. There's human error. We've seen that in so many cases where DNA evidence, for example, has exonerated people who have been in jail for years and years. We know, in fact, that, that, that witnesses do make mistakes, either purpose, either consciously or unconsciously. We also know that the that capital punishment has not been enacted fairly in this country, that people who are wealthy and can appoint lawyers uh, who, who, are, who are very skilled can find a way to get an individual off of capital punishment. We know that the majority of people that find themselves on death row are people who have not had adequate counsel, are people who are victims of, of, of racial prejudices within the court system or economic prejudices. And as much as I respect our court system, we can't deny that it has not been fairly uh, enacted. Capital punishment has not been fairly enacted, enacted over, over the years. And for that reason, I cannot endorse capital punishment taking place in this country. Because as with the rabbis, it's a important in principle. I accept it in principle. But in practice, it, 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 we, we can't, in fact, be sure. And we can't be sure that our system is being fair. Now let's talk about the situation in Pittsburgh. If ever there was a case where capital punishment would be justified, it would seem to be this one. First of all, there's no question as to the fact, as to the guilt of the person that uh, performed this despicable, that, that is not a good enough, that's not a strong enough word, this despicable, inhuman, horrendous act. It, not only did he perform the act, but he prefaced it with all of the remarks of uh, anti-Semitic postings on, on uh, social media, etc. Clearly, this man, this was a hate-filled act, and it was an act of hatred, and it was, he has shown no remorse. He, in fact, confessed to having done it, showed no remorse again, and in fact, again, even though in Jewish tradition, we talk about one life being of infinite value, when there are 11 lives lost, 11 lives taken, it does make even more of an impact on our on 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 the on the horrible violence and the horrible hatred and evil that led to this act so in principle this would be an example where capital punishment would be justified in my mind and i can sympathize with and empathize with the people who were either there and were wounded who witnessed this event or the family members of those who were involved, the community members of those involved, or all of us who go to synagogues, all of us who gather, it doesn't even have to be synagogues, in places of worship, and know how, how obscene it is to think that of all places, a place of worship would be 
in fact, the, the place where such a horrible tragedy would take place. And I understand those who say, and I, I can accept those who say they're glad that this person was given the, the death penalty. They feel a certain sense of closure, not complete closure, but a certain sense of closure and a certain sense of comfort in a way that the evil that this person represents will be taken from the world. But as you may know, the United States has a moratorium right now on federal executions. And therefore, we don't know if this person will in fact be executed, if they will be when. And so I'm comfortable with that moratorium. I'm comfortable with that moratorium in general. So it seems that the decision that was made, at least from my perspective, and again, this is all my opinions and I know many of you would differ, actually is very satisfying to me. The fact that in fact the, the, the judge, the jury has made a statement that this person deserves capital punishment, but now the court system takes a step back and says, yes, he deserves it, but until we make sure that capital punishment in general is going to be equally and fairly distributed and applied, we cannot do this. Because if, even if in this case it's justified without question, in the next case, there may be a question, and we can't make this be a precedent. So that's my feeling on this issue. I would love to hear if you, your, your, your agreements, your disagreements, your thoughts on it. It is not an easy question. It's a terribly difficult question. But in my mind, the rabbis had it right. Yes, we have the right to do this. But unless we can be 100% sure, not only in this case, but in every case, that we are administering capital punishment fairly, justly, and properly, we shouldn't do it at all. And in that case, and in this case here, we have the, 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 the option of life imprisonment without parole, which to me would be appropriate because of the fact that we can never absolutely be sure in most cases. May the memory of those who were killed in this horrible tragedy at the Tree of Life Synagogue be for a blessing. May their mourners continue to find comfort in a community which supports them in a legal system which responded to them. And may we see a world where such events never happen to any community in our nation. Until next time, thank you.